Okay, embarking on the landlord journey, Jim, is what we're going to be talking about today. The um, just some insights and the uh, of the aspiring and the seasoned landlord um, into Fife area. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Yep. I think property investment has long been a staple in the British retirement planning, and we see that more and more. And I mean, would it be fair to say that that was part of your plan, Jim, when you think about it? Yeah, definitely. Property investment is definitely part of my plan. And it always has been for the last 30, 35 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a really good, it's it's a great return on property investment for anybody starting out for the first time, uh, being a landlord and wants to aspire to be a landlord. And I, I know it sounds daft. You really want, oh, I want to aspire to be a landlord. It's like I, nobody wants to aspire to be a landlord, really. Everybody wants the results they can give them. That's really what they're, what they're after. So get it out of your head that you want to be a landlord. Nobody does. I'll be honest. I want to be an armchair investor. Yeah. And what do I mean by that? Well, there's a difference. A landlord is somebody that self-manages. Somebody actually does it all themselves. They take care of the, you know, the refurbishments. They take care of the repairs. They take all the calls. They deal with all the... All the effectively all the all the nuisance calls and everything like that yeah. things that are things that middle of the night my, my, my boiler's no coming on you topped up the gas meter oh i've not got any money for the gas it's, i'm no it's like yeah. what? if you've I mean, not got any money for the gas how do you expect your boilers to work yeah. but that's the type of things that you have to do as a landlord so a landlord really doesn't appeal to me as, as possible at all but i did it in the beginning because i thought i could save an absolute in the beginning as a landlord and say oh all these fees i'm saving every single month and then i realized that all my time was getting eaten up with this and effectively i was an accountant at the time i was a financial director in industry and potentially um if if i was to do any overtime if that was such i I mean you never get paid for overtime in industry Uh, you know that just goes with part of the course but if you did and I had to monetize my time. I was earning more per hour as an accountant as I was trying to manage my properties. So it made absolute sense if you're that sort of profession or you're that professional level and you could earn more with your time doing something else rather than actually trying to save the money, try to look after your own property and your time is scarce and limited, then for God's sake, be an investor and just let a letting agent deal with the whole thing. And all you do is keep the letting agent on track you know yourself, I have one hour a week meeting with Laura and we go through every single one of my properties. Is the rent up to date? Is the repairs you know, the repairs done? That is all I want to know. Any of them vacant? Are they back on the market? Is anybody moving in? Have we got anybody lined up? That is all I'm interested in. These are the key indicators for me. Yeah. One hour a week I spend on my portfolio. That is effectively it. And then I do get involved in the accounts, counting the money. Yeah, yeah you do. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we spoke about this uh, one to one, uh, and the difference, obviously, like you see, a landlord is very hands-on and very involved. An investor, there's a big difference. I mean, we have a lot of working professionals who have, obviously, they're in that main mindset. They're thinking about retirement. They're setting up a retirement plan, investment, property investment is a big part of that, and they don't want to be involved. They've got their jobs to, and their families and their, you know, all of that to worry about, and they invest in us to look after their investment. And Absolutely. That, and what, you and, have and a lot of people as well. Uh, yeah. They come into a lot of money. You know, I've had it recently with, with yeah. quite a few people I've actually sat down with them. They've come into a lot of money because they've inherited it from somewhere or somebody's given them it or they possibly could have won it. Um, it's very rare though. Um, yeah. and, and, and then they've asked me, you know, they want to invest in property, but they don't know what to do. So it's like, that's how you take them on that. Notice that I strategically said, said you (laughs) and and not me (laughs) you strategically with my guidance and overseeing you strategically take them on that journey and uh, and you do all the work for them it's 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 a system it's rather than do it yourself it's done for it's a typical expression in this industry i love done for systems Mm-hmm. especially if they're going to give you a really good return and they're not going to take up all your time. And I think that is the most important thing to be. I would rather be an investor now, knowing what I know, because I've run both sides, than I've been a landlord. I mean, technically, under the law, you're a landlord. Um, but I would rather be an investor, an armchair investor at that, um, because really, I, I, I'm, I've done it. I've, I've paid my dues for um, the last maybe 15 years out of the 30 years I've been doing this, 
you know, taking all the calls, having to go on holiday, having to organise contractors when I'm sitting abroad, um, and all these different things I've had to do. So I've, I've had that side of there, and I would rather be the investor. And, and I don't care about the, the oh, I'm going to save that money. As a, you know, all my property management fees will save, and all my letting, I could do it all myself. And it's like, are you nuts, Jim? You can make a hell of a lot more doing something more productive than actually trying to manage your properties. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's quite hard for some people to, to if they've started off that way, to then pull themselves away from it. But in terms of buy to let, let's have a look at um, well the, the introduction of the buy to let mortgage. Um, I know that was over a quarter of a century ago. I remember that. I, mean, I was going to say, make you feel old, Jim. <laughs> I remember. Um, I, I, remember yeah. I, I said that anyway. When I first started out, it was like it was about another three or four years before the actual buy to let mortgage came along. Right. Yeah. None of the bank managers had any idea of what I was trying to do. When I every, every single bank manager, when I went to them, went there. Computer says no. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's effectively all I got. It was a little Britain. Computer yeah. says no. <laughs> it's, uh, we don't do we don't we don't have any idea what you're talking about about lending property and renting property. We don't have any products for that at all. So that's the end of it. So you're right. Twenty five years ago, buy to let mortgage. Yeah, so twenty five yeah. years ago, the, the buy to let mortgage things, and it marked a significant turn and presenting opportunities for dual returns. Um, rental income and the short term and capital uh, growth and the long term and you can see I mean we always talk about obviously rental return and looking at buy to let investment as a long term investment and yeah. it isn't really for the it's, it's medium to the long term ideally long term but anyway um, but you can see there are a substantial number of five landlords who view property investment as a cornerstone of their retirement strategy and we see it every day and that's a, yeah. a big part of people's plan however this path is full of challenges and recent shifts and tax and regulations, uh, the regulatory uh, landscape, coupled with escalating interest rates, um, and these have imposed pressures on profitability and uh, compelling some landlords to reconsider what their actual position is. And thus, becoming a Fife landlord uh, in Fife it necessitates uh, meticulous research and you have to have a really strategic approach. Meticulous research and strategic approach, that's quite an interesting one because mm -hmm. that's effectively what I do all the time. That's where I spend most of my time yeah. in terms of how I can maximise the return on investment. And and what I mean by is, you know, how much rent can I get? And, you know, within reason, and can I get that rent raised? I mean, in Scotland, if you've got a sitting tenant, it's 3% just now. And yeah. you can justify because your costs have gone up, you can get 6%. Uh, you can't move it any more than that because I've already asked. I've already inquired with the rent registration services if you guys have done. And you've also inquired with Sal yeah. as well to see if that's possible to go beyond 6% because of extending circumstances. So it comes down to creative financing. Now, what I mean by creative financing? <laughs> well, it's quite interesting. You don't you don't necessarily you don't necessarily have to increase the rent dramatically. You can increase the rent. You can reduce some of your costs, like the mortgage, for example. You could refinance on a better deal, which actually makes it more appropriate. Uh, and you know, in a short term basis. So, in other words, a two year fixed rate, a five year fixed rate, or anything like that, because it maybe is a better finance rate at this point in time. So, when it comes out eventually into variable rate, you've probably got a better situation with the mortgage market at that point in time, which is maybe two or five years from now and therefore you'll be able to then be creative again with the financing and by that time in two or five years time i mean effectively if you're going up by five percent at five years uh, if you're going up by five or six years your rent actually goes up 20 percent if you keep increasing it by three percent every year mm -hmm. thank you patrick harvey yeah i know <laughs> i've never done that in my life he's kidding i've never done that in my life but patrick harvey's taught me how to do it thank you yeah, there's a lot of landlords like uh, yourself, Jim, and that, that haven't really reviewed uh, rents on such a scale for the whole time they've been uh, in the industry. And now, because of the new legislation and obviously interest rates and things, they don't have a choice but to review and increase rents and, and on an annual basis as well. Yeah, a lot of them are taking a short-term approach. Well, some of them, I wouldn't say a lot of them, some of them are taking a short-term approach and they're thinking, this is never going to, I'm never going to survive in this mm -hmm. situation and it's like but this is only going to be about one or one or two years maybe three years it's like you know this uh, and this is because a lot of them have actually um or some of them let's go on some of them it's not a lot yeah. of them, 
This is because some of them have actually pitched everything around making money from day one. This isn't an investment that you make money from day one unless you're buying for cash. Yeah. Um, and unless you've got a ready-to-go property, a turnkey operation. Now, you can, mm -hmm. you can get that, and we could help you with that, a turnkey yeah, operation. If you've got a turnkey operation, ready to go, you're buying cash day one, you're going to make money from day one, I'll guarantee you. But most buy-to-let landlords do not make money like that at all. They make money over the medium to long term, and it's almost like a J-curve, the way the return goes, like an upside-down hockey stick, if that makes sense. So and in the yeah. beginning, all the investment goes in, the refurbs, all the rest of it, and then your 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 return in the first couple of years is down here, and then all of a sudden, it goes, you're not need to do anything else. The tenant stays in situ, and the rent continues, and it's like, there's the return that comes back because you've got better deals in your mortgages. You fixed them in for five years, maybe 10 years, depending on what you want to do. Uh, you maybe got a lifetime tracker because I didn't have a lot of trackers and I still do have a lot of lifetime trackers. Um, so it makes absolute sense in medium to long term. But there is people out there just taking a short term view of this and thinking, oh, I need to get out because I can't afford to run this. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, a lot of my money actually went in from my salary. I mean, a huge proportion of my money from my salary went in the very beginning, and that, that was all designed um, and the, for for to to invest to get the return. It was the farming mentality. It was the you, you you plant the seed, you grow the seed, you nurture the seed, you look after the seed, you tend the seed. It grows into a plant. It grows into a tree. The tree bears the fruit, and you harvest the fruit. Now that could take anything from I don't know maybe three to five or six years before you start seeing any fruit coming out of there. And it just all keeps going back in. Now, you don't need to. I'm saying it comes fruit comes out, but you don't need to. You could just invest that fruit back in. You could just keep putting that back in all the time. Every single time, you could just put that fruit back in. And you could just reinvest. So I'm talking about money, by the way, as in the fruits are made for. Um, you reinvest yeah. your money back in. You keep reinvesting <laughs> yeah. your money back in. So there's no surprise that... Most of my investments and my money goes back in every single time. Do you think it would be fair to say that maybe some, I mean, some of the investors and things that are at that point where now they're feeling the uh, effects of higher interest rates and things as well and, and feeling that they're having to exit. Do you think it's maybe because they didn't plan or maybe hedge themselves against or, or do the proper risk analysis against interest rates increasing on their, their investment? I think you've hit the nail on the head. They've not, they've not uh, de-risked the whole project in the yeah. beginning. They've not actually looked at the sensitivity of the investment mm -hmm. and you know what would how the volatility. If anything changes, will that significantly change um, any other dynamics? And will it change the bottom line? Could which be, is could be where they're starting on yeah. investment. Yeah. So if the rent drops, what's going to happen? If the interest rates go up, what's going to happen? If the occupancy rate changes, what's going to happen? If my costs for my refurbs go up, what's going to happen? If you know if if I decide to get a letting agent to manage it instead of self-managing myself, can I, can I afford to do that? And um, God forbid, if anything happens, can I actually take the property back from the letting agent and actually save all that money because I'm needing more and you know I'm needing more money to get back in order to to keep reinvesting and um, because I can't afford to have the letting agent just now because I've not I've not worked out properly in the beginning. And, yeah. and so it's a short termism a lot of la and I've some landlords again some, some, yeah, some. some landlords look at the look at the vital investment as a very short-term thing and they expect microwave society mm -hmm. where is it where is it where's the return it's like and it's the reason why that's driven like that is because you've got all these idiots on instagram going i put 500 in i've got 300 pound out i've got i've got this property for 10 pence and 50 pence and all the rest of it and that's and, and I genuinely call them idiots because even idiots have opinions, mm -hmm. you know. And that's that's what happens. They put out this rhetoric every single time that buy to let makes an absolute fortune for day one, and they're running about Ferraris and it's probably just a Ferrari they've test driven at the you know the local garage, and then they've handed it back and said thanks very much. I've got my photographs that I need from Instagram account. And um, that's the sort of that's the sort of people out there. They're out there every single time. And then they're on all these vital forums as well, you know, touting the fact that, oh, I've done this deal, I've done that deal, I've done this deal, I've done that deal. And for somebody watching that for the first time, they could easily get led astray in the fact that this is an easy gig. But what you don't realise is they don't tell you about their failures. They don't tell you about the failures that go on, Richard. 
Mm -hmm. Don't tell you about when it all goes horribly wrong. They keep that quiet, but they love to tell you when it all goes perfectly right. And some of them are not as successful. Well, a lot of them are not. I'll use a lot in this terms. A lot of them are not as successful as you think. I think a really important factor in anybody that you're going to take advice and, and maybe learn from in anything, but obviously we're talking about vital industry here. And I think Web Creation Show shows it very well that you really need to be quite transparent about your journey. It's not all the highs, there is lows, and there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it. There's a lot of, sometimes there's a lot of pain and struggle and things, but it's all part of the journey. And, and you obviously lay bare quite a lot of what you went through, Jim, to get to where you are. And I think yeah. that's important to be quite transparent like that, especially if you're expecting people to listen to you and, and what your um, what your journey's taught you. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's look at the foundations of the buy-to-let mortgage when it first yeah. started. I mean, the critical step in this venture by is securing a buy-to-let mortgage. The process um, uh, is a process is distinct from obtaining a homeowner uh, loan, which is completely yeah. different regulations. Um, lenders assess buy-to-let applicants based on the interest cover ratio. So it's the interest cover ratio they lend on, yes. which demands the rental income meets or exceeds certain a certain percentage of the monthly mortgage interest payment. And now the minimum is 125% at this point in time for the standard tax, for standard rate taxpayers, lower rate taxpayers, uh, or basic rate taxpayers, we'll call it lower rate, <laughs> lower rate, uh, and 145% cover for higher rate taxpayers. Additionally, many lenders actually require that buy-to-let borrowers have a minimal annual income outside the rental earnings to mitigate uh, dependence on rental income. That's quite key as well, so yeah, you have to watch uh, out for that. Yeah. Now, regarding the initial investment, a typical deposit hovers around the 25% level of the property's value. The borrowing, um, now it could be the property's value, but it could also be 25% of what you're buying it for, because mm -hmm. that could be different than the property's value if it's lower. So it's the lower of what you buy it for or the property value. That's what you'll get the 25% you'll have to put in. Okay, so the borrowing landscape has experienced upheavals with the Bank England's base rate actually increasing to 5.25. Now they've held it for the last couple of months. Interest, interestingly enough, actually inflation figures have come through today at 3.9%. Woohoo! And yet everybody's saying, oh, but they're double the target. Wait a minute. At the start of the year, Richie Sunak says, and, and <laughs> and said, if we can get it down to half of what it is the now, which was more or less 5 or 6%, we're on a winner. And we're at 3.9. Now is the time to maybe stop cutting in in case you cut into the bone here. Because it's yeah. like a, it, inflation is like a cruise ship. 2% um, is probably here already. It just needs time to take to take place. Now, the, the thing that we've got to be concerned about at this point in time is the carry-on that's going in the Suez Canal, where you've got people, you know, supporting Palestine that are actually attacking the oil tankers. They're having to go around the Cape on South Africa and then back up to Holland, which is putting a lot more money on the oil prices. Yeah. And as a result of the oil prices going up, that might actually put petrol prices up. And petrol prices coming down has actually been a huge contributor to inflation coming down as well. So it'll be interesting to see that in the next couple of months, yeah. how that pans out in terms of petrol prices. If petrol prices begin to go up, we'll know inflation's either going to stay the same or start to go up again unless something else more dramatic is going to come down but i doubt it so that's going to be a key indicator in the next coming months right okay so however the average rate of the five-year fixed rate vital mortgage has witnessed a reduction in rates recently for example at the time that we've actually put this article together mm -hmm. an hsbc five-year vital mortgage is at 4.84 percent on a 75 percent ltv loan to value okay and um, so you put down 25 percent deposit they provide the 75 percent as of that and the arrangement fee as well is a thousand and nine hundred and one thousand nine hundred ninety nine pound why you don't just call it two grand they're, obviously, they're obviously using the woolies mentality still it's yeah. like oh we kid them on and say it's only one nine 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 it's like it's two grand get, yeah. get a grip that, that's actually quite a good arrangement fee believe it or not because a yeah. lot of them are charging a lot more. They're, they're, they're sneakily bringing the rates down, but they're actually putting about 3% as the arrangement fee. So if it's a three-year fixed rate deal, they're actually adding another 1% on each time for every year. Yeah. So if you're sitting at five for your for your rate, you're really paying, you're really paying six over the next three years. Yeah. Okay. The good thing about arrangement fees, though, they could be added onto the mortgage, so therefore you're no, you're no shelling them out of your own pocket. 
Uh, prospective landlords must uh, judiciously, I think, consider uh, these factors, evaluating the sustainability of their investment amongst against potential interest rate hikes. This is where we come to sensitivity yeah. analysis of what yeah. we spoke about recently. So yeah. what do we need to do then, Richard, about understanding the cost then? Because that would probably come yeah. next in the preparations. Well, like you say, Jim, there's a lot to think about there. Obviously, you've got your, um, you've got your, obviously, you've need to take into consideration that you actually have an income. You've got your uh, 100, at least 125% uh, the rental income needs to be coming through. You've got, there's a lot to think about and understanding the costs and the preparations is really important. And yeah. the the financial commitment extends beyond just the deposit and all that as well. Mm -hmm. Prospective landlords, and, and especially in Fife here, um, we speak to people and say that you should account for additional expenses like land and building tax transaction. And that will include your 6% for your surcharge for your second, yeah. home, second home tax. And then furthermore, I mean, maintaining a contingency fund for maintenance and unforeseen rental voids and things yeah. as well is really prudent. This is why. Like, this is why every single time I always put when I'm doing my calculations, I always put thirty percent as the as the uh, overheads after the yeah. mortgage is paid. So thirty percent of the top line rent is overheads good. after the mortgage is paid, and I work it out for there. Now fifteen percent generally would go for a letting agent. Fifteen percent yeah. would be left to do something in terms of insurance and that. Insurance isn't that encumbering in terms of these figures. Mm -hmm. um, insurance, you could, you, if you like me, if you do a thousand pound excess, you're going to get it for about two hundred quid for the yeah. whole year. And you know yourself, I've just put through a Clayton now, it's been paid out in full, £23,000. Yeah. I think that's the second time, is it not? <laughs> it's like, yeah, what well, is that? That was, a good one. that was a good one, yeah. It's like, I'm just taking I'm just taking that insurance out. I, I wonder what it's going to be like in August next year. Anyway, apart from that, uh, you're absolutely right. Contingency fund is definitely um, there. Uh, for the for the unseen rental voids yeah. um, is, is also prudent as well. Yeah. Uh, so this is why we always talk about, isn't it? About de-risk it. Make sure you know the answer before you start the journey. You yeah. guarantee your success overnight. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as I said, I mean, some people advise that obviously maybe approximately about one percent of the property's value annually, just to have that say for repairs and upkeep and things as well. But like you say, Jim, you've got the, a contingency plan there where you have. Um, that set aside for cover yeah you have to you, i mean to say one percent of the property value that means if a property is a million quid you've got to put 10 grand aside that's the, but i mean that makes no sense at all because eh? the million quid property is it could be in london and it could be a two-bedroom flat and it's not going to mm -hmm. cost 10 grand to fix a no. boiler and 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 you know effectively it's the same as the it's the same as a property is a hundred thousand maybe and it's and it's and it's in here and and leaving or something like that so yeah. it's, it's only 100 grand and it's like, OK, I'm going to put a thousand away for that one, but I'm going to put 10 grand away for the exactly the same one in London, only because it's in London. Yeah. So I, that, I know we've said that in the article, but, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing that. I'd be, I'm, I'm thinking about what that quantifies in terms of monetary terms and then thinking about how much does a local contractor charge for these things. The things that I talk about most of the time is roof repairs, is boiler repairs. If you have to change your boiler, that's the kind of... Well, that's the worst case scenario, I would say. Change the boiler, which is about two and a half grand, at the most, to change a boiler like for like. Yeah. Um, and that, that then covers things like major roof repairs. It would cover things like maybe damp as well in certain areas, because you're not going to leave damp riddled right through the house. As soon as it appears, you're going to tackle it, and it's going to be a 1,000 to 2,000 pounds. So if you've got that in your mind about that's what you're needing to cover, uh, just in case of uh, worst case scenarios, then and you've factored that into your your figures and the numbers work then you're going to be a, you're going to be a success the only thing the only thing is how quick you're going to get there time is only the time is the one time is the great thing buffett and munger talked about this all the time yeah the only thing they've ever done is bought investments and, and waited wait, yeah, literally waited and I've always seen that in every single successful person has invested over the years. Have you ever looked at the rich list and the times, the top 100? Mm -hmm. I noticed that when I was really young, every single time, the key data was they were in manufacturing, but they always had property. So it was yeah. manufacturing okay, and property. Yeah. It was something else and property. It was something else and property. It was a specialist, you know, cryptocurrencies and, and property. property. Yeah. You know, everybody, everybody was in the rich list had property. What does that tell you? Success leaves clues. 
they're making money here and they're putting it into here into property because they know they have the patience to leave that and let that compound up absolutely it's only a matter of time before it compounds yeah yeah definitely and and back to that the contingency thing that one percent is quite generic uh, and it's quite as important to really think about your portfolio and look at things individually because certain properties will differ from others so just keep that in mind so that is quite a generic thing the one percent as jim says it could differ depending on property and where it is and things as well it's navigating as well it's like you know just for just for five i've actually got the yeah. housing statistics are out today um, okay. so five is actually still going up uh, by 1.7 percent so the average house price in Fife is one uh, 176,669. Um, it's gone up 1.7% year on year. So it's still going up. And there's a lot of areas like Falkirk, 4.6%, East Lothian, 9.3%, Clark Manager, 11.2%. You know, there's 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 drops, Argyll and Butte, City of Aberdeen, no surprise. Um, there's a couple of like, Orkney Islands, but that's only that's only because one or two houses. Like last month was a hundred thousand and one only one house was sold. This month it's at two hundred thousand. So so the market's dropped fifty percent in price. Well, it's no, it's that's no so that Orkney's Orkney's a bit skewed. Dumfries yeah. and Galloway minus two point five percent. It's nothing to write home about, considering on average in the last three to four years, property prices have gone up twenty-five percent. Who cares about a drop of two point five percent? Yeah. No, you're totally right. That was good just to share that with uh, with everybody there, Jim. But um, yeah, navigating the buy-to-let landscape. Now, investment in five buy-to-let properties, it's, it's not merely just a financial decision. It really is an emotional one too. And landlords or investors must be prepared for the demands of, well, in fact, we'll stick with landlords because they must be prepared with the demands of property management. And that's yeah. ranging from addressing maintenance issues to dealing with tenant-related challenges the complexity of landlord responsibilities and uh, and it's underscored in over that says 150 i think it's about 170 pieces of legislation governing the sector so i mean there's a lot to contend with um mm -hmm. a, a figure poised to raise with the impending regulations and things over time that number will just increase with the amount of uh, points of legislation yeah, that we have to contend with so i will use the, the name landlord when i'm talking about that because if you want to be a landlord that's what you're going to have to do Want to be a yeah, investor. you have to deal with the legislation. You have yeah. to read up on it. You have to learn all the time. It's amazing how many how many landlords come onto the 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 channels and the property groups and they keep asking questions. I'm thinking, why do you not just join Sal? Yeah. Just go Association of Landlords. It's 105 quid. It's tax deductible. So if you're 20, if you're 25 percent tax taxable, then you're getting it for 75 quid, really, because it's deductible anyway. So 75 quid. For a whole year of advice and support from Sal, you could just phone them about anything. And yet yeah. people still go into these platforms and they ask all these questions. And you get all the nutters that come out the woodwork and go, Oh, well, this is my opinion. And it's like, so what's that based on? Like, what's your profession? Or it's like, uh, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I just heard it from someone else. <laughs> it's true. It's don't... like, this is madness. This <laughs> is like this is like the blind leading the blind when it comes to these landlord forums. And even like my, myself and, and my team, you know, we're all let well qualified, you are as well, Jim, and uh, through the Chartered Institute of Housing and things as well. But the legislation and things have changed so exponentially over the last couple of years that, I mean, on a daily basis, we seem to question ourselves, like, are we correct in thinking that? And places like SAO, if you remember and things, they will give you the correct answer and you know that yeah. it's the right advice. Don't just wing it and ask somebody on Facebook because it more than likely might not be the right as well as letting agents we're no stupid yeah. here as letting agents we've got a membership a letting agency membership a yeah. sal and even though i know the answer you know the answer we always say just double check, like, double with check. Yeah. just to make sure that's still the answer to the question and we double check with sal sal goes yep perfect job done yeah. it's like that's that's why you've got this it's literally, it's literally, it, you make your money or you save your money on the first day you ask them a question yeah. because it's often the question that everybody else has given you the wrong answer to. Yeah, and and, and because of things changing so, so frequently, it's important to make sure you've got the right answer or you know the right person to get the right answer for you. And whether that's your letting agent or whether you're a landlord and you're going direct to sell or, or, or something like This that. is why next we're going to talk about the demand and support yeah, yeah. of rental properties, especially in Fife. We'll focus on Fife, but it's, yeah. it's right across the whole country, remember. It's is, it is petering off a bit in London, 
But if you look at Fife in particular, because this we are Fife properties, that's what it said in the tin. You can yeah. see it in the top corner. They are Fife properties. Yeah, we, um, we, we touched on this a bit, Jim, when we done the, the rental market update for Zoopla. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's experienced a sustained period of significant rental inflation over the past few years. There's no doubt about that. Despite yeah. this, Zoopla recently stated that demand for rental properties on the portals was 51% higher in quarter three of 2023 than the five-year yeah. average. 51% higher than the five-year average. Now, you tell me there's no demand for buy-to-let, and it's not going to be a good market if you get the numbers right. However, even though demand is actually quite higher, the long-term supply of rental properties coming into the market in the Fife area has actually dropped. Now, that's a recipe for boom, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so, um, it's, it, I mean, look at the KY. KY postcode is basically five. KY yeah. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, all the way up to 16. Mm-hmm. The number of properties being let over the last six years. Do you have these numbers, Richard? Yeah, yeah, we've got them here. I think you've got... Um, so... The five uh, rental property uh, properties let. So in 2018, yeah, um, an average of 87 properties were let per month in the five area. Mm-hmm. And then if we look at 2019, it went up to 85. It went down to 85. Sorry. And then in 2020, it went down to 61 properties that were let in a month. Yep. And 2021 and 2022, it was 43 properties. So it stayed the same throughout those uh, two years. And then in the year just put this year, obviously we're just about the end of 2023, an average of 44 properties were let per month in the Fife area. 528 a year properties getting let in the Fife area. That is nothing when you think about the amount of demand. No wonder there's almost 100 people chasing every single property when it comes onto the market. No wonder the demand is so high for a property. No wonder rents are going up as a result to equalise what the demand is, as supply and demand is scenario. However, salaries have doubled in the last 20 years. Therefore, rents is actually playing catch-up as because mm-hmm. house prices have already played the catch-up already and caught up with that as it is. Now, looking at it in graphical form, you'd yeah. actually supplied me with this. Let's have a wee yeah. look. So here it is here. You can see that rental properties itself. So this is the five rental properties in the last uh, since 2018. You can see that at the start, and they're going up and down, up and down, up and down. But you can see the supply is the number of properties being let are going down and down and down. And and fundamentally, why is that, Richard? Why uh, why is let's let's think about this. Look, so we have an increased demand and a reduced supply, which can only mean rents will continue to grow as they have in the last couple of years yeah it's still going to continue to grow still going to continue to grow but you can see that and the reason that there's less properties getting rented is not well it could be the lack of supply but it's also a number of things it's a lack of supply because people are reluctant to actually invest in property now because the scaremongering is fearful yeah that's that's definitely fearful they're fearful right now so they're not investing you're not getting a lot of new investors coming into the market for that reason now there's a there's a sign straight away. There's a golden opportunity. As John Paul Getty said, "Observe the masses and do the opposite." As everybody's exiting, you've got to think there's an opportunity here. How can I get in? <laughs> yeah, it's the same. It's, it's the same thing when we were in the midst of the pandemic and lockdown and things, and everybody was panicking. And really, that was the point. There's an opportunity there. So I think in times like that, you need to look at, look at this. Definite opportunity. Yeah. Plus the fact, because rents are, are being kept, um, you know, they've been frozen for the last couple of years and there's mm-hmm. only 3% rises even in an existing tenancy. Um, there's a lot of people actually st- beginning to stay longer in their existing tenancies right now. Yeah. Therefore, there's not enough supply coming out of the market to, 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 to alleviate the position of the demand that's actually getting pent up with people now deciding they're either splitting up and they're leaving a rental property, they're either selling their house and they're moving into rent accommodation, or they're either first-time renters and they've, they've just grown up and they're like, okay, I want my first property, I'm going to rent to begin with. And um, There's employment as well that comes into the area and people have to find rental accommodation for short-term employment contracts over one or two years. Therefore, that puts all that demand on because there's not very much. But the new market is rental market values are currently high because of that. Therefore, the people in the existing properties right now at the lower rental values can't afford to jump to new properties. That's the difficulty here. 
for that reason. So they're finding it quite difficult. So they're going to have to sort out their finances. In other words, you're either going to have to cut back on your holidays, or you're going to have to cut back on your spending, or you're going to have to cut back on your, you know, your hire, your car that you, you leased. Um, you're maybe going to have to wait till that runs out and then maybe just get a, a, a less of a cost on your lease, a cheaper yeah. one in terms of the uh, alleviate the, the cost for every single month in order to allow you to then upgrade to, to, to a different size of accommodation, whether it's smaller, yeah. whether it's bigger. Um, and because the rent will be a lot more if you currently uh, choose to rent every single time. So yeah. that's what's driving the market. And that's why yeah. these numbers are so historically low. Well, so, back to, oh, sorry, on you go. It is an ongoing imbalance, isn't it? Yeah, I was just going to say back to obviously the figures that are on that that graph and what we just went through. I mean, the ongoing imbalance between supply and demand is a constant characteristic of the rental market throughout all regions of the uh, of the country yeah. um, and throughout UK. And currently, mm -hmm. the annual rent growth rate in the UK, remember, obviously, I know up here in Scotland we've got the rent caps and things. Uh, it currently stands at over ten percent, so that's taking the UK as a whole. Um, it's and it's not good news for tenants, is it? Not good news for tenants. No. Um, yeah, it still makes buy to let financially viable for most uh, landlords, and especially yeah. as interest rates have risen significantly in the past few years as well. You still get good deals up there as interest rates. You yeah. say the HSBC did the 4.84, I think it was. You know, it's still, you know, it's still tolerable at these levels. If you get the numbers right, all you need to do is plug the interest rate and the uh, land and building transaction tax uh, yeah. or the you know stamp duty tax extra additional uh, additional dwelling supplement it's called you, uh, you plug that and you plug everything in. I, i'm talking about the reason i'm doing that that and that is because it's like i look at <laughs> a spreadsheet in my mind you, you put the occupancy rate up there you put the interest rate in there you put the ads in there you put the you put the rental value down here and then then up in this corner here is where it where it shows you and then you start mucking about with what the price is to bring out the right value at the bottom in terms of the return on investment and then that then ex extrapolates into below over the 10 or 20 year plan depending on the number of years you put in how much you can actually make as a, a total return on investment percentage wise by investing in that property so by changing that original purchase price so if you keep changing that original purchase price you've got all the numbers of the factors the same it therefore tells you straight away what that number should be to get that return in terms of the purchase price itself mm -hmm. yeah. job done that's why you can guarantee your success and property and it's only a matter of time before you get there yeah and it, and it all comes down to doing getting the numbers right and doing that um, that analysis at the beginning definitely rent adjustments tenants and you know stuff like that and tenant relations and fife you know how's how's that going on just now how how are you finding that for landlords yeah, I mean, if you're a landlord, you really need to understand the regulations and things surrounding the rent uh, increases. And it is really crucial. Um, there's, there, these rules vary, um, obviously, uh, but uh, across the UK. But here in Scotland, we have the, obviously the 3% or the 6%. And that's what you really need to understand. Mm -hmm. And um, ensuring that, that you have transparent communication uh, and fair practices when you're obviously doing these rent adjustments and uh, being quite open with the tenant that that's what's going to be happening. Obviously, we have you have to obviously uh, do this in writing and have their agreement, and then get the rent assessors to implement that. Whether it's three percent or, or whether you're doing the six percent, if you have, if your costs um, in terms of mortgage and things have increased uh, quite considerably, you can apply for the six percent. But so um, when we've I, done it, when we've done this, and I've done it with me personally, I've done a thirty-seven of my properties because I've obviously yeah. uh, I was asked by Sal to put in. You know how many properties and how many of you put up in value and all the rest of it in terms of your rent levels so i've done 37 so far some at three percent some at six percent i think one was at four percent because that's all i could i could get yeah. but but none of the tenants really complained because they all realized they had historically low rent anyway um and we had actually looked at that previously for the housing summit um, which was run by willie rennie and, yeah. uh, and and paul mclennan the housing minister was there and i actually worked out for myself that um according to my numbers and my rents uh, in order to keep up with inflation, I would have had to be charging on average £625 a month um, for my rent. In actual fact, I was only charging £485 a month. Yeah. And I was 23% less than inflation overall. So it's no surprise that a lot of the tenants have actually just said, yeah, that's fine. I'm okay with that. The rent's gone up. Fine. Yeah. No, I know. We looked at that and it, it's, it's quite, uh, when we broke it down, it was quite interesting. But that's where we are anyway. So... 
But I think what's the what's the conclusion of this then? Yeah, I was just going to say I think from today I think having the knowledge and the experience guide um, of somebody who knows what they're doing in property investment and uh, I think is really invaluable in the intricate world of property letting at the moment. Yeah, uh, a, a seasoned letting agent in Fife, um, as we are. Uh, we do offer obviously a wealth of expertise and insights and and, and I, i'm really proud of what our team do and how we operate and um if you are doing property investment and things. well i've got i've got to jump in and give you kudos because i said to you yesterday i'm going to say to you publicly i mean that insurance uh, claim that you yeah. did for me and ran that from start to finish and got that whole property refurb for me and actually got all the loss of rent paid literally yeah. my occupancy rate was out by one week yeah one I week mean, you I, got I think, the rent paid right up to one week and then got the property filled the week after. Yeah. That's it. And by the insurer. And and the insurer even actually argued with you in the beginning, didn't they? They didn't they, want they to pay it. They went, no, no, you you're only due up to a certain point. You're you're only you we we due you at the time that you finished the repairs, and that was like two months before. But you put your foot down and you argued that principle, and that's how you got that rent for me. So yeah. literally, you got another two months rent just as a result of, as a result of representing me at my insurer. And I've never dealt with an insurance company at all. Happy days. Or yeah, yeah, I know you got in, you got involved a wee bit at the last the last gas yesterday, and 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 obviously you didn't really understand the whole process because I had done it all. Um, but once I explained, and the thing is, what they were trying to question with me was that uh, oh, but you didn't start work until this time, and it's like well, that that was things that were out of my control, contractors, their availability, getting things done. But eventually, yeah, I mean. They, uh, they understood where I was coming from and yeah they, they paid it out quite rightfully so because that was not your fault as the landlord or us as the agent and it was unfortunate circumstances what happened how um, many people would have accepted that though there would have how been many a lot people of would have allowed a loss adjuster and just yeah. accepted that argument and just yeah. rolled over and let the loss adjuster walk all over them because remember the loss adjusters know they're to help us yeah they're there to help the insurer they're here they're to minimize the cost to the insurer that's what they're doing Immediately, I know how loss adjusters work because I worked in industry as a manufacturing, a manufacturing, yeah. and we used to have things like you know when we had an employee getting hurt, um, and and one of the you know one of the manufacturing processes, the loss adjuster would put on the policy uh, aside when we got our our, our review, he would put on the policy, he'd put aside like two million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like what? It's like so that's what they do, and then when it goes through and gets all done at the end, it ends up like two hundred fifty thousand or whatever yeah. it was. But essentially, a loss adjuster puts a huge amount of money aside in the beginning for the insurer, and the insurer has to write that on their books, obviously. And it's the loss adjuster's job to minimise that as much as possible. So you did, you did exactly what you needed to do, and and we got our property back, which is in really good condition. Yeah. It's like it's like a brand new property. Yeah, again. It's like brand new. We've done the full refurb uh, window, not all the windows. There are window doors. Um, and obviously, I got you covered for the toilet, the carpets, the decoration, yeah. the kitchens. There was a couple of things that we done. There was a couple of things that we added that weren't a part of the insurance claim because we thought, well, if I was doing properly, yeah. But yeah, on the whole, yeah. did it at the same time. It was perfect. There was a perfect opportunity to do it. So yeah. it worked extremely well. And plus the fact the value of the property is actually increasing as a result. Yeah, we've got a good tenant in there as well now. That'll be it for another twenty years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. So but it's that... true though. Another, you know, even another ten years. You're a return on investment for another ten years. If you're getting, I think it's three nine five times uh, times uh, fifty two equals uh, no three nine five times twelve uh, times ten. That's uh, forty seven thousand in rent over ten years. Yeah. Uh, times two over twenty years. That's ninety five thousand in rent over twenty years. I bought the property for fifteen and a half thousand. Yeah, that was my first property ever, thirty years ago. So that's it. Now, yeah. you tell me out there, <laughs> buy to let's no viable, and it's not a great investment. Because I'm just showing you the numbers. Yeah, that's a really good example of that. I have to say, but yeah, whether people are navigating the complexities of, like we started off with, buy to let mortgages. If you're trying to understand the nuisances of uh, the property investment in Fife uh, or managing tenant relationships and things, that's a big part of obviously if you self-manage and you're a landlord instead of a vent, an, an investor. That, I'll tell you, just let, let me emphasize on this, and this is a good one to actually talk about relationships yeah. with your tenants. 
it's it's it, as as an advisor to uh, the National Landlord Association for Scotland when I was chief executive, I was an advisor at the time as well back in the early two thousands, and uh, and and a lot of the times a lot of landlords just couldn't cope with the relationships with their tenants because they wanted to they wanted to uh, impart their beliefs and their standards on their tenant. They felt that the tenant should do exactly what they would do in certain situations. Now the tenant is fully entitled to live their own peace and enjoyment in the house. As long as they're no damaging it, as long as they're paying the rent, as long as they're not being antisocial, they have got every right to be left alone. And some landlords out there can't take that. That's why they need to use a letting agent. And yeah. often I used to get people arguing about, you know, well, they've no cut the grass like I would cut it. They've no tidied their house like I would tidy it. And I'm like, so what, just explain to me. Well, when I went in, the clothes were all over the floor. Okay, is there any damage? No, but I just I told them to clean up, and and then and then they fell out with them, and then it was like I'm going to evict you now. Then, and it's like what? This isn't it. This isn't it. This just isn't the playground. Yeah, it's like this is a commercial business, and after a couple of you know bars about the hint for the landlord saying, "Are you an idiot or something? Are you stupid?" Um, they would see sense and they would actually go, "Yeah, you're right. It, it does make sense, doesn't it?" It's because you're you're going to evict a tenant, which is perfectly good, all because you fell out with them. And the fact that then when they go, you're going to have to relet it. You're going to lose two or three months' rent. You're going to have to pay the letting agent, or you're going to have to do it all yourself to get another tenant who might not be as good as this existing tenant. And then you're going to have to maybe do a light refurb as well because the the, the house might not be you know it might be wear and tear because the tenant's been there for a couple of years, which is perfectly acceptable. Yeah. So you're going to pay, spend the best part of two or three thousand pound actually falling out with a tenant are you stupid or something yeah and 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 i've seen it quite a lot over the years and if somebody's self-managing and they don't know how to maintain proper relationships with tenants and let them live and let them um be in the property then it, it, it could end up being costly for them really in the long run so, yeah definitely i, I would say so yeah if, you, if you're at that if you get too emotionally involved and in, or if you have an emotional attachment to a property get someone else to manage it for you <laughs> yeah i should put a, i should put a sensitivity warning at the beginning of this video <laughs> for, for landlords landlords do not watch this if you're if you're of a of, of a frail disposition because <laughs> i've been laying into some of them like like there's no tomorrow eh? <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah i mean what we've covered today i think i, I think it's clear that the journey of becoming a landlord especially here in fife i am rewards careful planning, uh, informed decision-making, and strategic foresight is very important. Yeah. And I think with the guidance of seasoned professionals like ourselves or uh, any other reputable agent, if you, if you have one and using one, the Fife landlords can navigate the challenges and complexities of the, the property market and here in Fife. And yeah, ensuring I would that- say, I would say uh, to get an experienced professional, um, they need to have been in the industry for a long time. Yeah. They also need to be, you know, the, the, the person that owns or runs a company and needs to have a hand in there as well, and also be knowledgeable and experienced as being a landlord and investor. Yeah. So they completely understand from a landlord's point oh, of view, yeah. um, you know, what they need to know. And first, first to understand, then, then to get somebody to understand you. Uh, that's yeah. really what you have to do, I would say. And and, and 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 like anything, I, I I say you know I'll be honest, getting a letting agent that knows what they're doing is actually like finding a unicorn. Yeah. You know because because a lot of them out there, you know, just because they're called letting agents doesn't mean to say they're actually know what they're doing. Just because they've passed that test, which is the minimal standards possible for being able to know and be knowledgeable by by the let marker and multiple choice questions on Letwell and stuff like that. I don't think Letwell was that, but the other one is. Yeah, the woman's multiple choice questions. So yeah. if you don't get a first time round, you just go, well, it must be B this time then. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's and that's the sort of standard of uh, of the the industry in terms of letting agency. Um, so, but but equally, landlords have I no knowledge it, at all, and they don't need to pass anything, do they? Yeah, I think it's very important, obviously, to have. I mean, let well qualified and things as well is really important just now, and as part of obviously your letting agent registration, which you have to have. The, the but, key, I would say, is ask how many people in your organisation are let well qualified yeah. under the letting agency rules for Scotland, and um, because you'll find it's probably just one person. That because, is the minimal requirement. Yeah, 
as, as long as the owner, as long as the owner or anybody is is qualified, one person in that organisation, you can you can trade as a letting agent uh, legally. Um, so I would be asking how many people are actually let well qualified or property mark qualified. I think there's other one. Property um, mark equivalent, yeah. Yeah, in your in your letting agency itself. That'll give you a real good insight into the standards that you want and try to try to adhere to in order to in order to protect your investment. After all, it's probably the biggest investment outside of your pension and your existing house. Yeah, we currently have four. In fact, well, including yourself, Jim, you you done it just at the same time. But we have five qualified individuals, which is obviously more than just the one person per office. Which I think um, I think it's good to put everybody through it because. It gives everybody else that knowledge and, and uh, insight into how things work as well. I've yeah. I've been on the other end. I've been on the receiving end. Uh, you know, when I've tried to use other letting agencies years and years ago, and I, it's no great. It's no great. It's like you know, you're talking to somebody that has no idea what they're talking about. And but but then that's 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 similar about other industries though. And I often, you know, I often tell you guys, it's like, you know, you've probably got somebody on the front line that started last week. So they, they probably don't understand. Uh, they need to be educated on the legislation. And it's your job to educate them yeah. and possibly even go up one and speak to their supervisor and say, you know, typical play daft laddie. It's like, you know, under section 101B, it actually says you can reclaim the housing benefit against the tenant, but if we're not culpable, you can't come for us. So it has to be the tenant in, in itself under the Housing Benefit General Relations Scotland Act. Um, and then they would go, oh, well, let's look that up. Oh, you're right. Okay, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what's happened a lot a lot of the times in the past but yes question just because they're an authority it doesn't mean to say they're right so it's, it's question every single time to get the and, and if you get the answer you know the same answer two or three times from other people and and you're not sure of the answer yourself then that's probably the right answer and um, whereas just don't accept the first answer if it's not the answer that you think could be right and um, check your facts check your details then ask that person this is the advice i give a lot of people Ask that person that's given given you that answer. Tell them what answer you found and where you found it, and see what they think of that as well. Because then that often that's an easy way to diffuse a situation when you come head to head with someone, so it isn't a conflict. And say, look, you know, I don't know where I I got this answer from the Housing Benefit General Relations book by the Child Poverty Action Group. Um, they actually produce it every single year. And on page 87, God, I could remember that page. That's 20 years ago, too. Page 87 on 101B. I'm even, point, I'm even looking at it in my mind. It's like that's a photograph in my mind is. 101B says if it wasn't, if we weren't culpable, you can't you can't recover the rent back from us, the overpayment. Mm -hmm. It has to be the tenant because we're not culpable. Yeah. How would we know otherwise? Are we supposed to sit at the front door and, and monitor when they come in, when they go out, if they've got a job, if they've not got a job? Are we supposed to ask them that? No, we can't. So you can't leave, you can't say we're culpable then and we're responsible for paying that back, that overpayment when we had no idea that was the case. Yeah. Yeah, and that just shows that although it's important to have an agent who's qualified and, and question them, question them, question them, you can't put yeah. a price on experience and years of experience. And I, mean, I, I even find it very, very, very rare to find other letting agents that have been in the industry as long as I have. Do you know, local yeah. agents and things, and it's like, you've done it, oh, I've been doing this for two years, three years. And God, I'm coming up for about 14 years. I've been doing But as I say, they're few and far between. You know, they're yeah. few and far between. It's very, very rare for anybody to stay in yeah. the industry that long. You know, you've got you've got Charles, you've got... Um, You've got other people as well, you know. Just, but they're they're dotted about. They're not in Fife. They're, no. you know, they're they're in Edinburgh. They're in Dundee. Yeah. You know, I probably know one in every single region of Scotland. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, actually, no, is worth their salt and knows what they're doing and has the experience and wisdom and expertise. Um, Struan is another one. Um, yeah. um, he 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 knows his stuff as well. And so this is this is what you need to find out. You shouldn't just be picking any letting agent because you think, oh, it's like I love the brand. You know, they, they look like a great letting agent. It's like, you know, what's your expertise? What's your wisdom? What's your qualifications? What, you know, how many people are actually how many people are actually approved and qualified by the Scottish government's regulations um, to, to actually look after my property? Because that's what governs everything. And that's what yeah. you need to protect yourself with. Because they can get everything wrong. 
just, this is my partner. Mark, they can get everything wrong. You're letting agent, and none of that is like Teflon. None of that hits them at all. It slides off them, and it goes straight to the landlord for their responsibility. A gas certificate, gas safe certificate, for example, I'll tell you that. It doesn't matter if the gas safe certificate isn't done and the letting agent was meant to do it. If the tenant dies as a result of carbon monoxide poisoning, you are going to jail as a landlord, yeah. not the letting agent. That's how important it is to make I sure agree. that you've got the right people on your side representing you. Yeah. Yeah. As <laughs> Things like that are paramount. I'm going to part, I'm just actually going to share a comment. Helen said here, uh, they are selling a strategy plan though, right? So it's never going to be the truth. I think that's in re reference to the Scottish government, but she's saying it's great you do these sessions so more localized, realistic decisions can be made. And that is why we reference, we do we do talk about the UK as a whole, but we reference Fife uh, because, well, we are here in Fife. Absolutely. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to my TikTok brigade. Because okay. the TikTok people, there's, there's, there was a guy on the other day, basically just like, 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 like. <laughs> up to 2,000 likes. <laughs> it's like, superb. <laughs> and there's somebody being on the now doing the same thing. So I could only take my heart off to you. Thanks very much for hitting that like button all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, guys, thanks for keeping it interactive and watching and commenting and likes and things. That's what uh, makes it all worth it for us to know that people are actually listening and what we're doing is actually helpful to people. And like, like we said throughout and at the end there, any questions, anything regarding lettings, property management, mortgages, whatever, feel free to come to us uh, direct. Um, I think my email should be in there somewhere. If not, it's richard.cook at fiveproperties.co.uk. Perfect. And that's a wrap. Good. We'll leave it there, Jim. That's great. Thanks for that. See you Saturday morning. I see you Saturday morning. morning show. What are we doing yeah. on Saturday morning? Or am I putting you on the spot? Hey, you are putting me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you right now quickly. Wait a minute. Um, I just got it sent for approval. We are doing because we're letting on Saturday morning, aren't we? Yep. So we're doing the, the landlord Xmas break. We're going to talk about uh, the, the the Christmas break for landlords and tips on oh, how. Oh, that's where it all goes pear shaped for a lot. Yeah, that's where it all goes pear shaped for a lot of landlords, isn't it? Yeah, and it's tips on how uh, people could actually take um a bit of time off and actually recharge over the holidays and that includes if you're a landlord you're not getting time off of the holidays well, and that includes having a good agent so we're going to cover that on saturday morning i i i'm going to tell you a story i distinctly remember christmas morning mm -hmm. i get a call from one of my tenants the radiator's fallen off the wall the water well actually it wasn't a tenant who phoned me it was a person downstairs Water's pouring into my house. I've gone upstairs, forced my way in the door because the tenant was like, "Oh, I didn't really look in." He was off. It was off his head, um, and it's like, and 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 the water's pouring out, and the radiator had fallen off the wall. Water's pouring out the pipe, and the boy never even bothers phoning me. So it's the person downstairs that phones me, and I go, "Right, I'll be over there now." Christmas morning, I'm sitting there, ten o'clock, and I've got my, I've got all my tools with me because I carried all my tools in my boot. And the first thing I did was, right, right, guys. And I walked in basically stinking of, let's be honest, drugs. They'd been smoking wacky-backy. And they're all wee round in a wee circle, all, all on the seats, having a nice cosy time. And this was years ago, remember. This is when yeah. I first started. Uh, you know, this was Wild West time. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> the Wild West, honestly, it was like that. And, and one of them had decided to sit on the radiator. And I went, there's seats all around the room. And you had to sit on the radiator, really. And the radiator fell off the wall, burst. So I just crimped. I took the I took the Stilsons. I just grabbed the end of the thing. I closed it off and I crimped it over. And I basically cut cut the water off coming out the pipe. And that was the end. Of it. And I goes right. That's me. An engineer will come out at some point in time. They're not coming out the day because it's your fault it came off the wall. Yeah. It's no stopping you using your heating system because it was gravity fed. It's no pressure. Yeah, I know it wasn't a pressure one. So therefore, you've not got that that in this room, but you've got heating in every other room. You've still got your hot water and everything like that. So there's no emergency here. And you know what one of them piped up and said? And how's your Christmas so far? <laughs> well, given that you're and starting my, to my, my reply was, what do you think? Because I'm sitting here having to deal with this crap. Yeah. And just went silent and everybody went, oh. <laughs> And that's the types of things you have to deal with if you're a self-managed landlord, definitely. Absolutely.
So if you're earning, again, I'll come back to saying, if you earn more per hour than it is to pay a letting agent, and I really mean, because a letting agent, if they pick up the phone for anything by a tenant, it's at least two hours. So if you're paying a letting agent, I don't know, 70 quid a month, and they pick up a phone and they spend two hours, it's 35 quid, a, 35 quid an hour. Um, and then, then if you're earning more than that, 35 quid an hour doing what you're doing, a lot of people obviously go, I'm not earning more than that. But remember, you've got, if you're doing it yourself, you've got to bring all your own tools and that and your own car and everything like that as well. Yeah. So it will be 35 quid an hour or more for doing it. So if you're earning any more than that, when you work it all out and the opportunity cost of having to do it yourself, then you just use the letting agent because then it takes all the hassle off you. Definitely. That's us. That's a wrap this time. Right, right. We'll finish this time. Right. Okay, Jim. Thanks for that. And again, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thanks very much. See you later.